nothing can separate. Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, cause your love never fails. for me every day cause your love never fails you say this day seated for just a moment. We are so excited that you're here with us this morning at Broadway. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. If you're new with us, if you're a guest, uh, we have a little perforated tab on the edge of our bulletin. We are especially excited about you being here. We're honored that you would choose to spend an hour out of your week with us here at Broadway. And so on that little tab uh, is our Connect card, and that's just giving us a record of your visit. We don't sell that information or use it in, in, in any uh, spam ways or anything like that. We just simply want to get to know you and how we can best minister uh, to, to you and your family here at Broadway. 
So if you don't care, we simply ask that you fill that out. You can drop it in our offering plate as it comes by later in the service. Or if you miss that, that's okay. Don't panic. There's a welcome center at the back of the sanctuary. You can drop it off there as well. And again, that's just giving us a record of your visit. We want to know that you were here, and we want to connect with you. And so we just simply ask that you would fill that out. Uh, we hope that you're paying attention to your bulletin as you come in uh, and the screens as you enter and exit and all that kind of stuff for announcements of things that are going on here. Uh, this morning, if you've been paying attention, uh, this is our semester kickoff for our college students. Uh, so Asbury has been in for about a week now. Uh, BCTC has been in for a little while. UK starts back Monday. And so this morning we have a special emphasis for, uh, for, for our college students. Uh, for those of you that are new, my name is Chris Wright. I'm our college and worship pastor here at Broadway. And uh, we're excited about the things that are going on this semester. And so this morning we want to kick that off with a special time of prayer over our students and our campuses as we move forward in our service. So let's pray together and then we'll continue in our worship. Holy Father, I thank you for a church that has a heart for college students. God, I thank you for uh, a church like Broadway that has a genuine desire to see uh, the campuses come to know you. God, we pray now that uh, as we move forward into the semester, Lord, as uh, classes start back all across the Lexington area, God, I pray for these students. Lord, I pray that you would give them energy, that you'd give them wisdom, that you'd give them clarity. Uh, God, that you would give them uh, memorization skills, Lord, whatever it is that they need, Lord, we pray that you would sustain them over the coming weeks. God, we pray for the professors, for the faculty, Lord, that you would have your hand on them, that they would have the wisdom to, to lead and guide these students as they uh, mold them into the young adults after you. God, I pray that you would begin even now to, to stir in their hearts, uh, to stir in their, in their lives as, as they... Uh, Father, as they begin to, to formulate their ideas about uh, what college is like and what you're like, and God, we pray that you would simply move in their lives through your spirit, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, I thank you that, that Broadway has a passion for reaching these students, and God, I pray that you'd uh, have opportunities over the coming weeks to, to be a light for you on these campuses. I pray for the campus ministries, for uh, Danny Curry at, at, uh, at UK and for Greg Hasselhoff at uh, Asbury and others as, as they begin their semesters, God, I pray that you would use them in mighty ways and that you would multiply their efforts and their ministries across these campuses. Lord, we love you as we move into our time of worship of you this morning as we gather. Lord, we pray that you're exalted, that you're lifted high, that yours is the only name that's praised because, Lord, it's the only one that's worthy of it. And so we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship together this morning. We're going to sing a song called Great Things. worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great God, you do great things. 
amen. As our ushers come forward, let's pray together. Lord, we are in awe of you. Lord, we're humbled that we are able to come into your presence and worship you this morning. God, we pray now that as we move into the time of our service, God, where we give back just a, a portion of what you have blessed us with. Lord, we pray that you would take our gifts, that you'd take our tithes and our offerings, and that you'd bless them to further your kingdom and your mission through our church. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated for a moment. without hope sing the chorus.
Lord, we thank you for the freedom that's found in the salvation that we have through Jesus. God, we love you. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. In my work with the victims of human trafficking, just the, the stories of how they're treated, how brutal this can be, what their bodies go through, their emotional well-being, their entire life, and how one human being could subject another human being to that life breaks my heart, and it angers me. Victims of human trafficking are beaten, they're raped, they'll be stripped down, starved, burned, branded. On average, a human trafficking victim has a lifespan of seven years, and on average, that trafficking victim will be raped 6,000 times. I think it's very dangerous to stereotype a victim of human trafficking. Most people equate trafficking victims to those that are a lower class. We have had residents come to us who have been college educated. Victimized not only by traffickers, but by law enforcement. We've read cases of valedictorians of high schools. I had a resident who was trafficked for the first time at the age of four by her mother. So often we see a person and we assume that their situation is entirely brought upon them by themselves. The reality of the fact is that human trafficking victims look the same as your daughter, they look the same as your sister, they look the same as your brother, they look like everyone else that you pass by every day and you just don't notice. Human trafficking is a crime that is hidden in plain sight. Human trafficking occurs in motels, it occurs in truck stops, it can even be occurring in the house down the street. There is no set place. There, there's not necessarily a red light district. It can happen anywhere that there are people that have a demand for it. Send relief to me means that you would be sending us additional workers, that you are sending monetary donations. These women, their lives have been so traumatized. And when we hear their stories, it can affect us. And so we do covet your prayers. That video there was from the Hope Haven, which is in Baldwin County, Alabama, down in South Alabama, about human trafficking. I wanted to speak a little bit about that, just real briefly while you watch it. Uh, that's one of the, um, uh, the uh, Send Relief is a ministry of the North American Mission Board, which is part of our Southern Baptist Convention. And I was reading about human trafficking because a lot of times we, we hear that phrase and we, we, we don't really understand, well, how, does that, how on earth does that work in 2019? And this is how it happens. And we'll just I will start with girls. So say you're on Instagram, and all of a sudden this guy comes along. You don't really know him very well. And he's like really complimentary to you. He's like, you look awesome. You're the greatest person in the world. And he comes on really strong in your life. And this just really a stranger. And next thing you know, after like day three, he wants to be your boyfriend. You're like, I don't even know this guy. And he really seems infatuated with me. Then you, I guess, get a boyfriend, and they target folks in transition. So like maybe your parents just got divorced, you moved to a new city, you're just in a new group, you just don't know a lot of folks, and all of a sudden you meet this guy, and he seems overly friendly and just speaks incredibly complimentary how awesome you are. Well, after that, you meet the guy, or, and he wants to real quickly become your boyfriend or dating, and you think, this is just going really fast. And you start getting to know the guy, and next thing you know, you find yourself um, in really a trapped situation because he lets you know all the time that y'all are dating and you're his girlfriend, and then he wants to take you to places and meet some of his friends, and 
he's selling you, basically, at a hotel. And you say, well, where do they find these people? Like, how does the stories I've read about this and the reality is somebody will go and post something on um, oh, uh, Craigslist. That's the website. And they put it on there and basically put a hotel place and a hotel room number. And that's a cue for people who want to purchase this, these services. And they'll go there only up a few hours. And then once the, I guess their 10 or 12 hours are over there, then they take that, they remove that posting off of Craigslist. And it's hard for the police to track up with them because they only stay up for a short amount of time. And another way they get word out about this, these guys that are basically, and by the way, when they get these girls, the guy will have a gun and say, if you tell anybody, you know, this is his so-called girlfriend, if you tell anybody, I'll kill you and your family. So she's scared to death. She's being trafficked with the guy that's promoting her on, on Craigslist. And the other way is, and I'm not familiar with this, it's called the dark web. I've, I have no idea what that is, but some, there's some internet out there that can't be tracked, supposedly, by law enforcement. That is how human trafficking works. And folks feel, women, young women feel trapped because basically they have a pimp who's threatening to kill her and her family if she speaks up and says something. And he's selling her at these different hotels. Literally, they get a room in a hotel, stay there a few hours, Different men come in, then they check out. So they're constantly on the go. So law enforcement can't stay up. Guys, this is a reality. I know very little about that, but you read stories and you read the... Um, and the other thing, what happens in human trafficking is when they're at the hotel room, somebody has a video camera and they're making pornography of it as well. And the, the guy's selling that. So... You know, if you're viewing pornography, you're actually supporting human trafficking. And not only that, if you're a young lady or you're a lady, and all of a sudden some guy that you don't know is really aggressively complimentary about how awesome you are and how great you are, and you're like, and he's moving lightning round fast about relationships, these are all red flags. So I wanted to show that video there because... That's something I feel that is a, uh, it's important as parents, even as grandparents, as college students, that you're aware of the reality that goes around. In the, and they, 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 they hit the nail on the head, this Hope Haven Center there. They said there's not a red light district anymore. It's not like you're going down the strip at Las Vegas. You know, this is, it's everywhere. It can just happen like that. And then go in just for a few hours, set up shop, and then move on to the next location. So human trafficking, sex trafficking, is absolutely rampant and alive in the U.S. And it's something that us as Southern Baptists, we support our ministry, Sin Relief North American Mission Board, that's going in places like the Hope Haven there in Baldwin County, Alabama, that's uh, directly ministering to people who are trapped in that addiction. And we have ministries here in our city that help deliver folks who are stuck in that. And literally trapped in. All right, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, open your Bible to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Then in a little bit, I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there, but we're going to flip over and see what Jesus has to say about this. In John chapter 14. Now, we are in a sermon series here, preparing for revival. And this is about more. We're giving and wanting more from God. You've come this morning and you want to experience God. You want, to, you want Him to do more in your life. And we're going to see that here, that the Lord certainly talks about that. And um, I have a little quote here on the screen, though. You know, There's an attitude inside of all of us that says we need to do more, give more, and work harder. And I think for believers, we tend to think that way, that this is... Uh, you know, this is, God, if I just do more, and, and we're going to see in scriptures, that's not necessarily the case. Our more is basically just trusting the Lord. Personal revival is when God overflows within you. He doesn't drain you. If you have your bulletin insert, I want you, I want you to pull it out. There should be two of them there. Brother Jim Hurd, he made one here. 
about our revival. It kicks off in two weeks. You can read about that, part of our, de- our 25 days of prayer leading up for revival. So you can read that. It talks about personal revival and really knowing the Lord. The other insert, you'll be able to follow along here with this message about what it means sowing seeds to experience revival in your life. You know, if you're here this morning and you're maybe tired, you feel incomplete, you feel like something just, something isn't right, or you feel like you got the short end of the stick, this is a message for you. Because I want you to walk away this morning and think, I now see that sowing seeds, the, the work I put into knowing the Lord, it will produce a great harvest in my life. No one wants to be a Christian that feels like they got, the, they got cheated out of something. Yesterday, I went to Corbin, Kentucky. Corbin, Kentucky is down I-75. Do you all know what this is? No, don't say it out loud. Have you seen this before? Does anybody not know who this fellow is? Never seen this. Like, what is that? Anyone? Come on, some young folks. Y'all all know who this guy is. This gentleman here is called Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders started KFC. KFC was started in 1930 in Corbin, Kentucky. And I went to the first KFC, and there's a museum there, and they've turned it into a museum, and you can see where it all began. Now, Colonel Sanders makes fried chicken, and he puts it in a bucket, and he has his secret recipe with 11 different types of spices. Um, Sherry and I, we're actually Chick-fil-A people. I know you might be a KFC person, but uh, if you had to put them together, you know, I I would lean towards Chick-fil-A, but... I had to go down to Corbin and see where it all began for KFC. And so we're down there, and, I was, and you go through this museum, and you're, you're reading about the history of this company. Well, Colonel Sanders started this business, and then after, he started in 1930. Well, about 1950, he started franchising, which means he started allowing other people to open up his restaurant with using his recipe and his name and everything, and his face everywhere with his white suit and white hair and white goatee all over the place. First franchise was actually in Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places. Anyway, whatever. So in 1964, some investors, he had only had the store 34 years. He was, you know, his one little store, he had a few franchises here. And these these investors come in and offer him $2 million for his Chick-fil-A, or not Chick-fil-A, for his, I'm so used to Chick-fil-A, his KFC. And he sold it to him for $2 million. That was in 1964. Well, what happened is they got a hold of this, and it didn't become just a little $2 million business. It became a multi-billion dollar business. Well, he passed away 16 years later in 1980. So he watched his company that he sold in 1964 to 1980, that 16-year time period. It goes from a $2 million company to a multi-billion dollar company with locations all over, not just the U.S., but all over the world. He was still the spokesman for it. He was the guy, literally the face of the company, but he didn't have any say-so in the company, in the running of the company. And he became very critical of the company because they started making changes to what he started. It's like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be run. Then as they got wealthier and wealthier, Colonel Sanders said, I got robbed. They stole this from me. This is a multi-billion dollar company, and I sold it for two million. What on earth? And he felt like he deserved more. Basically, KFC is a face, but this guy's not getting, he didn't get a lot of the money for it. And now, this company became, after McDonald's, the number number of locations of KFC is the number two uh, restaurant fast food restaurant in the world, over 22,000 locations in 130 nations, countries all across the world. And this man felt like he was cheated out of his company somewhat because he only got $2 million. And $2 million is a lot, but not, I guess, when it becomes a multi-billion dollar company, it just kept on growing and growing and growing. Now, I share all that because in our Christian life, and what we're about to read here in the Scriptures we're going to see that when we want more from God, God will answer that prayer. 
And he's going to show us how in the scriptures, how in the Bible, that we can plant seeds, we can sow seeds in our life that produce a great harvest. When I talk about a great harvest, what I'm talking about, that you can look at your life and see how God has blessed your relationships, God has protected you from sin, God uses you and put people in your path that you can share the gospel with and that are, are spiritually lost, and you can tell about how to be saved. God takes your finances and your giving, and He blesses it. That's what it means to live a life that God is using for more. So turn your Bibles here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Follow along your Bibles. Starting in verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each per person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He distributed freely... He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We read these verses here from the scriptures, and we see that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth saying, guys, when you sow the seed of generosity, when you sow seeds of gospel truths, you, look at these words that he used to describe their lives. I'll just go over them. It says, you're going to reap a harvest, reap generously. It says here that God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. It says every grace will overflow. These are such positive words. They overflow to you in every way. It says in verse 8, you can excel in every good work. Not some good work. God just blesses us when, we, when we're sowing seeds. In verse 10 it says he multiplies your seed and increase your harvest of righteousness. It goes on down. You look at verse Verse 13 says, you glorify God with your obedience. And then it says, all the way down in verse 14, that you have this surpassing grace that God gives you. There's a picture here in these verses we just read, that you sow these seeds that God gives you, and He, he produces an a incredible harvest in your life. And that's what it means to live a life of more live a life of personal revival well you don't have to turn there but i'll put up on the screen here jesus spoke about that as well look at john chapter 14 john chapter 14 verse 12 look what jesus says because he talked about this too i want you to see this truly i tell you the one who believes in me will also do the works that i do and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Do you see this verse? Jesus is saying, you, the work you do is actually going to be greater than he does. Why? Because we have a Savior who's been resurrected, who's on the throne in heaven. And he has chosen to work through you and I. We should not feel like Colonel Sanders who got cheated out of his company and his secret recipe. 
in Corbin, Kentucky. We have a Savior who's on the throne, who's looking at you and I, saying, I have chosen to work through you. Now keep going here in your Bible verse. Verse 13, look what it says here. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Do you all realize these words? Jesus is saying, my passion is to glorify my Father, so I will answer your prayers. I will do your request. I will honor you before God. We forget, if you are here this morning, and you are just going through life, you know, the real enemy for us is spiritual apathy. And that's where you just get in a routine, in a rut, and you come to church, and you live your life and say, God, I'm just, it's so mundane. It's so average. I'm wanting a life that's alive. Jesus is saying to you and I, you can have it. Look here in your little sermon. Look at your bulletin, sir. Look what it says right in the middle. What does it mean to sow? That's, a, that's, far, that's agricultural terminology. A lot of times we don't talk about sowing the seed. Unless you, maybe you live in Corbin, Kentucky, and you might have a farm there. There's a lot of farms there with a KFC. God can't multiply what you haven't sown. Did you all know that? He can't. And the Bible used here in 2 Corinthians, the word multiply, not add, multiply. If you haven't sown a seed, God can't multiply it. You're wanting a great harvest, yet you haven't scattered any seed. You're wanting to see this great, mighty revival. God use you. But if you aren't sowing the seed, it's not going to happen. If you're a college student, you have four or maybe more years here in Lexington, UK. You can make these the greatest years of your life. But if you are not sowing the seed, if you aren't actively growing in your faith, actively involved at the BCM, actively involved in a church, having great gospel conversations, you're just expecting, I want to be fed and I want this, I want this. If your conversations start, well, I won't, that is not the attitude of sowing seed. Sowing seed means, here, God, I'm yours, use me. I'm giving you my time, my energies, my words. Look here. How do we sow more for God? I put it up here on the board. Some of y'all might remember this. Cottage prayer meetings. Who's heard of that word? Cottage prayer meetings. Good. Ten people. Ten people raised their hand there. A cottage prayer meeting back in the good old days. This would sound probably crazy to folks today. Where I invite folks. I go up to Brian Kelly. I go up to Ray Vasky here and say, guys, I want y'all to come over to my house. And say, what are we going to do? Watch TV? Play video games? No. We're going to sit down and pray. And we're going to pray about everything. We're going to pray for revival. We're going to pray for folks to get saved. We're not going to have Bible study. We're going to pray for our families, we're going to pray for our church, we're going to pray for our pastor, we're going to pray for Lexington to give their life to Christ, we're going to pray for our nation, we're going to pray for missionaries, we're just going to go to the Lord and pray to God. Literally. It's a time when you invite folks over to your house and all you do, there's no agenda. The only agenda is a prayer agenda. And you pray. You all know folks doing that today? Have you ever been invited to someone's house to pray? Have you ever spent time, and I'm not talking about 15, 20 minutes of prayer. I've been to a college prayer meeting before. About 10 years ago, I was introduced to this. A guy named Ken invited me over to his house. I was literally there at midnight. It started like at 7. It was an intense time of crying out to God. I left that place changed. You spend hours in prayer, you will be a different man. You'll be a different woman. You will go to work and school the next day. And Jesus Christ flows out of you. 
God uses your time. He uses your words. One of the reasons why people don't pray with others is I'm going to be truthful. Nobody has any time. You're too busy. You're distracted. Think of all the other things. College football started yesterday, at least for Florida. That's a game you've got to watch. Next week it starts for Kentucky and Alabama. And then soon basketball season starts. Then you have schoolwork. And then you go on trips. You have to go to Corbin and study the original Chick-fil-A, or gosh, the original KFC. <laughs> Guys, it had been two, three years since I ate at this place. We're total Chick-fil-A fans. Let me ask. Chick-fil-A or KFC, who votes for Chick-fil-A? Look around. Gosh, that's all. Who votes for KFC? <laughs> Popeyes wins. They're one vote, so that is. <laughs> there, what happens is, guys, we look at our lives, and you want more from God. If you want to sow seeds, you literally have to say, I'm going to stop and spend time with the Father. If you don't make time for God, if he is not a priority of your time, the best way of sowing seeds, and it talks about reaping a harvest, is what we guard the most. First of all, we, have, we guard our finances. Obviously, God expects us to give. But secondly, you know what else we guard? Our time. When you give time to someone, you're saying you're important. When you give time to God, you're saying, God, you are important in my life. God is important enough for you to spend time with Him in intense prayer. Let me give an example of time. I got suckered into going something by Chris this past Wednesday night. I had a great time, but it took advantage of my time. Chris said, Dan, we got this thing called Death by Chocolate. It's at the BCM on Wednesday, and all the new students are moving in, and we just need a team, and we got to go down there and help serve. And it'll be over 11.30. Well, I go to bed. Like, by 11 o'clock, I'm just like falling. I'm barely awake. I can't even hardly make it. So I thought, okay, I can stay up till 11.30. So we go there, and we end up, we're the servers. We serve chocolate to 1,000 um, college students coming through the line. We loved it. Great timing. We had great service here. You, a lot of 18-year-olds don't know how to run a kitchen, but Broadway folks know how to run a kitchen. And we ran the kitchen there. Running the kitchen means you have to keep the line moving. And when brownies start growing, you got to keep that. You can't run out of anything. So you have to keep it moving, constantly going back and forth. Do you know what time that event was over? 1.20 in the morning, I'm still handing out water. It was an 11.30 event. 1.20, we're saying, we got to go. It was still going. We just left. I'm about to fall over. I don't, like driving drunk, getting home. It was so bad because I'm not used to staying out that late. And what happened is... That was an example of, we gave our time, I was proud of our folks that came, we gave time to the BCM, to the college ministry. If you want personal revival in your life, you have to give time to God. I cannot stress that enough. Sowing the seed, the seed of time. You're asking God crying out to him. Jesus even says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. Secondly, keep going here. What do we do here? Sowing seeds or sowing generously is greater than sowing spiritually. Literally, a, a blessing. If you're, A prayer life is not the blessing for your food. 30 minutes, a one-hour church service. Guys, there should be, this should not be your weekly... Your only religious experience. You know, this is great. You've got to come to church. Jesus expects us. Jesus came to church. We honor the Sabbath. Early church in the book of Acts came to church. We come here to worship. But if you're coming and you're, you're sparingly sowing seeds in your life of time, of giving to the Lord, of your finances, and you're wondering, why am I not getting anything? Why am I not experiencing more from God? You sow little, you get little. Thirdly, we see here, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. That's Galatians 6-7. So, if you are going to class 
and you're going to work tomorrow, and you have spent time in God and said, Lord, use my words, use my hands, use everything I have and I am, so I can bring glory to you, and I can advance your kingdom. He will do that, because you're going throughout your day with the attitudes, God, I'm yours. But if we have an attitude as, I hate my job, I don't like anybody, why am I at school? If this is your attitude, if you're a naysayer, if you sow seeds of bitterness and anger, do you know what you get in life? You get it. You reap that stuff. That what you put in, Jesus is saying, is what you get out. And Christ is calling you and I and the church and folks in our community to be men and women who sow seeds for Jesus. Not for the devil. Not for sin, but for the Lord. Fourthly, we see here, you only get out what you put in. The devil wants you to remain as you are. Did y'all know that? There is nothing more the devil wants than to keep you complacent. Can you stuck as spiritually apathetic? For you to be someone who just says, well, I guess this is how it's going to be. I'm just trapped. I'm stuck. My life is miserable. No. Jesus Christ is on the throne and He's saying whatever you ask. If you are a child of God, He's saying whatever you ask, I will give it to you. I will answer that prayer. I will bless you in that area. Christ is calling us to ask for more. And the devil's saying, you need to remain as you are. Listen, college students. School starts tomorrow. You make these the next four or five years the best years of your life. Say, I'm giving my college experience to God. This is the best time to do it. I'm giving this new school year in middle and high school and elementary school, I'm giving it to God. If you are stuck spiritually, you get out what you put in. And Christ is saying, you need to sow seeds generously. Last thing here, number five. It's only when you put it in Jesus' hands that it's multiplied. We just saw in 2 Corinthians, it says those seeds, they're not added, they're multiplied. Jesus picked up the five pieces of bread and two fish. And he didn't add a few more. He multiplied them. Jesus' hands multiplies anything. Do you have a burden this morning? Do you come here with a heavy heart? Are you worried? Are you miserable? Jesus is saying, give it to me. I'll take it. My hands can multiply anything you need. Anything. Are you worried about money? I mean, whatever's on your heart. Do you have lost family members who are not at church this morning? Jesus is saying, just just give it to me. His hands have nail marks in them, but He takes them. Those holy hands multiply anything we give Him. I want to end by this. I I don't want you to miss this. This morning, if you're wanting personal revival and you're wanting more, Jesus Christ is looking looking at you saying, I'm here. I'll take it. Give it to me. Church, if we have an attitude, is I'm going to be, I'm going to sow very sparsely. I'm going to sow very little seeds. I'm going to be someone that just gives the Lord in one hour a week. And that's it. You're not putting it in Jesus' hands. We should allow our Bibles, God's Word, to just completely overflow in our life. One of the words used in that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 was it overflows in your heart. Do you want God to overflow in your heart? Do you want Christ to spill over in every area of your life? Here it is. Jesus is saying, You ask for it, I will give it to you. This morning, we're going to conclude with a time of response. 
And Christ is calling you to place whatever you have in His hands. Christ is calling us to sow seeds of righteousness and He will multiply them. We don't want to be like this guy and feel like we got cheated out of something. Nobody wants to be cheated. He only got $2 million for his company. Only $2 million. And now multi-billion dollar company. We want to have an attitude. Jesus, I have been sowing seeds and you have multiplied them. You want a great harvest in your life? Jesus is saying, you start with prayer, you start with time, and watch what God would do. This invitation here, Kristen, the band's going to lead us. I stand down front. If you want to make a decision, this morning the best seed you can sow is a seed of faith. And that's where you walk this aisle and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I want to get saved. I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. Also this morning, if you want to make a decision, last week we had baptism. If you've never received believer's baptism, you follow Christ in baptism. I'll be walking down front. You can join our church this morning, waiting for you to respond. The band's going to lead us in a song. Let's stand together, and we'll be waiting. We're giving this time to God.
once again, we're glad you're with us this morning. We glad, we're glad that you chose to join us here at Broadway 1109. Uh, we are thankful for your, uh, your time this morning. Uh, a couple things that we do want to highlight before we leave uh, this evening. Uh, instead of our regular service, uh, we're going to have a special time for a prayer uh, for a young man named Stephen Huff. Uh, Stephen is the son of David and Glenda Huff. They are members of our church. And uh, Stephen has had a, uh, a challenging road with, with cancer the last uh, few months. And so this evening we're going to have a special time. Uh, we have a, a quartet coming. Uh, they're called His Heart. Uh, they're a Southern Gospel Quartet. They're going to be here this evening uh, and lead us in a time of, of praise. And then we're going to have a special time of prayer for Stephen and the rest of the Huff family as uh, they face a, a challenging road ahead of them. And so we, uh, we want to encourage you to come back for that and to be a part of that. The second thing that we want to highlight uh, is uh, obviously we've been preaching through a revival series the last few weeks. Um, our revival is coming up September the 8th through the 11th. That is two weeks from today. We're going to kick that off. So we hope you're praying leading up to that. And uh, that Sunday morning, we're going to change our schedule just a little bit. So we're going to do one combined service instead of our 9 o'clock in 1109, we're going to do one combined service at 1045, okay? So we're going to do Sunday school at 930 and one combined service at 1045. And be watching social media and your weekly email updates and things like that, and we'll be sure to publicize that as uh, time gets closer. So, again, one service, September the 8th at 1045. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, Ray Vasky. Ray is our chairman of deacons, and Ray is going to close us in prayer. And uh, when he's finished, he'll be dismissed. Thanks again for joining us. Father, it has been good to be in your house today, Lord. Father, we thank you for just the awesome privilege to come to you, Father, and call you Lord and call you Dad and call you just just Lord, Father. Lord, we just ask that you would be blessed today. Father, as we go out this week, we ask that you would uh, help us to be a light to this world around us, Father, in our communities, like Lexington and the surrounding areas, Father. I just pray for the college students again, Lord, as they go out and begin a new journey in life, Father, it's an exciting time for them to be away from home maybe for the first time, but Father, I pray that you would calm their nerves and calm their parents' nerves and let them be with them, Father, and just guide them as they go through this happening, starting their, their new life and, and their, the rest of their adult life, Father. We pray that you would use each one in a mighty way, Lord, and we thank you for all that you've given us, and we ask that you would uh, use, use Broadway to be a home for those away from home, and Lord, we just ask you to be glorified in all that we do, it's in your name we pray, amen.